And if the wife feels like she always has to be fixed, she just always feels broken. Oh, man, that's super convicting. I'm sorry. <laughs> that probably explains 50% of her marriage. <laughs> uh, sorry. There's people listening. <laughs> uh, that's totally true. But I think also for a wife, it's like my husband will go talk to the Lord and then listen to the Lord in prayer is both. Prayer is talking to the Lord and it's listening to the Lord. It's conversational. How scary is it for a wife to follow the leadership of a man who doesn't talk or listen to the Lord? Terrifying. It puts the wife in a very vulnerable place because she's needing to submit to his leadership. But if his leadership isn't under the Lord's leadership, she could get harmed and in all kinds of different ways. When we know that our husband's connected to the Lord in the word, praying, seeking wise counsel, then then we feel secure to, to do what we need to do as a helper. Hey, welcome back to the Real Marriage Podcast with Mark and Grace Driscoll. We are going to talk about prayer and does prayer matter in marriage? Does it make a difference? Is it helpful or not? What does it even mean to pray in marriage? What does that look like? When we got married, how different was our prayer life and our view of prayer? Uh, Pretty different. I mean, neither of us were great at prayer, but... It One was, of us was less great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> I had a prayer life, but I don't know um, if my faith was fully connected to that prayer life at the time. Um, I believed in praying for others a lot, but I didn't necessarily think that I was worthy of the Lord answering my own prayers for myself. So right. that was my deeper identity issue. We won't get into that. But I think prayer has been, um, and it is for everyone, it's a process, um, a journey that we learn as we connect more with Jesus. We learn how to pray differently. We learn how to um, have it be our lifeline to the Lord and not just uh, something that we do on the side every once in a while. And prayer has become, we're to pray without ceasing. And I think I've learned more and more the older I get what that actually means, that in some ways, I'm constantly praying. Um, sometimes I'm praying out loud. Sometimes I'm praying in my head. Sometimes I'm pleading with God. Sometimes I'm thanking God. Sometimes I'm praying for others. It, prayer has all kinds of facets to it. And and I think, um, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of my life today. Thankfully, God has grown me in that area. When we first got married, you prayed a lot more than I did. And I, I think that sometimes women are just more spiritual than men. Mm-hmm. I think when the Holy Spirit is called the helper and the wife is called the helper, I've always wondered in that. Um, you With know, an extra dose. Yeah, is she. Yeah, is she got <laughs> that a extra shortcut? rib came with yeah, the extra yeah, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But uh, for me, as a man, it was like, why should I tell God all my problems? I'm a man. I got to fix my problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when I was growing up, I had a buddy who had an invisible friend. He was a weird kid, and prayer kind of to me seemed like making Jesus your invisible friend, <laughs> you're kind of that weird kid. And then also I grew up uh, Jack Catholic. And so prayers are, you know, sort of formal things that dead people said and you memorize and repeat like the Pledge of Allegiance without really a personal conversation with God. Yeah. And this this brings us to the story of Ruth where we're doing this season's podcast episodes. Maybe share with folks. It's a four-chapter book. It's the Cinderella amazing, epic, best turnaround ever, you know, funeral to fantastic love story. But what part does prayer play 
in the life of Ruth and Boaz. It's played a part in our marriage. It plays a major part in every marriage, whether or not you pray, uh, your prayer life or lack thereof or health thereof significantly impacts your emotional, spiritual health and your relationship. So how does prayer play into the story of Ruth and Boaz? Well, there's a prayer in every chapter, um, each of the four chapters, and each of the prayers are answered in the book of Ruth. And so we see that it is a part of these people's lives. Different people are praying throughout the book of Ruth. Um, In the first chapter, we see uh, Naomi praying, um, and she's talking to the daughter-in-laws, and she's telling them to return to their land in Moab and not come with her. This older woman is praying for these younger women who are now widows. Their husbands have all died. Mm-hmm. She's praying that God would provide for them a husband. And she's saying, may the Lord deal kindly with you. Um, and the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. So, yeah. She's praying that God would provide a loving, healthy relationship. This is an older woman praying for the younger women. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in chapter one. Chapter two, what's the prayer there? Uh, that is Boaz... Um, blessing Ruth. So there's a chapter two. We've got a study guide for you. It's free. Help you kind of get your head around the book and your heart around the book and give you some things to talk about as a married couple going through a book of the Bible. Chapter two is filled with a lot of prayer. If you're a guy, chapter two is for you to look at prayer. Um, Boaz prays for people. People pray for Boaz. Even his co-workers pray for him. You know you're a good boss when your employees pray for you. And chapter two really focuses on people praying for Boaz and Boaz praying for people. Yeah. Chapter three? Is Ruth blessed by Boaz? He's praying over her. So this is the beginning of their romantic, dating, just meeting, friendly relationship. He has power She has no power. He has money. She has no money. He has citizenship. She has no citizenship. He has legal rights. She has no legal rights. He, in every way, could take advantage of her and put his hands on her. And when he does put his hands on her, it's just to pray over her. Hmm. Why is it with a woman that prayer can be an actual deeper connection than sex? Because it's at the soul level. It's the deepest level. It's the, we have, our deepest relationship is with the Lord at the soul level. And so it's the same way with other people. When we're praying with them, it it just goes deeper than physical. So would you say that a man needs to touch his wife's soul before he touches her body? Yes, absolutely. That's how she feels safe. Most men, including this man, did not get that. (laughs) And in that, we would tell you that actually praying together is deeper intimacy than sleeping together. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. If you're married, do both. Yes. (laughs) Amen. But um, that's why there are couples that are, let's say, dating. They shouldn't be, but they're sleeping together, but they would never pray together because prayer is too intimate. It's more intimate than sleeping together. And it would probably cause them to stop sleeping together. (laughs) Yeah, if you pray together. It's hard to, Lord, please bless our fornication. (laughs) We've been reading first and second fornicators. And yeah, no, so it doesn't work that way. But, But Boaz begins the relationship with Ruth by praying over her. So let me let me just ask you this question. How can a husband, how can the husbands listening, because many husbands, they know I'm supposed to be the leader, head of the household. I don't know how to do that. I'm embarrassed, so I don't even try because I, I feel like I should know better. How does a man just praying over his wife start establishing him as the loving leader in the family? 
Well, it builds that respect. Um, I think if he's willing to go to that vulnerable place with the Lord and his wife, most wives think that that is the safest place in the world. Um, if her husband is going to God and bringing her before the Lord. And, and so she's willing to be vulnerable as well. And I think even if a man is afraid to pray or doesn't know how to even start, just start. Even if you say that to the Lord with your wife in the presence, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know what I'm saying. Give me words. Help me know how to pray over my wife. Help me know how to pray for my wife. God wants to help us grow in this area of our life. He wants to be in communication with us. And it's just like any other relationship. If we don't stay in communication with someone, we're really not in a relationship with them. And so that's what prayer is. It's just staying in communication with the God that sees our life, loves us, and has a future for us and has goodness for our marriage. Um, and so for us, that's when our relationship is the best, when we're consistent about praying together, praying for each other. Um, and you kind of started out because you didn't know how to pray necessarily because like you said, you grew up Catholic, you had the pre-written prayers. And so how do I pray on my own? You knew how to pray between you and the Lord, but praying over me was different. And so even just beginning by asking, you know, what are some things I can pray for you today? And just starting there. If there's one or two things that the wife says, just start there and pray over her. Even if you don't know what to pray, again, just saying that to the Lord. I want to be consistent in this. I want to be a man that prays over my wife and washes her with the word, as the scripture tells us. And so how do I do that? And just slowly start. And the wife needs to be gracious in that if he doesn't you know, have a history of that. And she needs to encourage that and, and praise him for even trying and for a lot of men, we're fixers, not interceders. Mm -hmm. You tell me the problem, I architect a solution. And prayer is saying, before I architect a solution, I'm going to go meet with the father and I'm going to ask him how to take care of his daughter. And if the wife feels like she always has to be fixed, she just always feels broken. Oh man, that's super convicting. I'm sorry. <laughs> that probably explains 50% of our marriage. Uh, sorry. There's people listening. <laughs> Uh, that's totally true. Um, but I think also for a wife, it's like my husband will go talk to the Lord and then listen to the Lord and prayer is both. Prayer is talking to the Lord and it's listening to the Lord. It's conversational. Yes. How scary is it for a wife to follow the leadership of a man who doesn't talk or listen to the Lord? Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. It, it puts the wife in a very vulnerable place because she's needing to submit to his leadership. But if his leadership isn't under the Lord's leadership, I mean, yeah. I mean, she could get harmed and in all kinds of different ways, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And so when we know that our husband's connected to the Lord in the word, praying, seeking wise counsel, then then we feel secure to, to do what we need to do as a helper. Just thinking about it, you mentioned uh, Boaz praying over Ruth in chapter three. We don't know whether or not she was ever prayed for, but that may have been the first time in her entire life that a man prayed over her. Mm, yeah. Her dad wasn't a believer. Uh, her first husband was supposed to be a believer, but was not living as a believer. Otherwise, he wouldn't be living in Moab and he wouldn't be marrying an unbelieving Moabite, mm -hmm. which Deuteronomy 7 forbids Prohibits. and Deuteronomy 23 
prohibits. Like, so he's not leading spiritually. And he's, we don't know how long he lived either. Um, I think it was about 10 years and that they were married, barren, and then he died. Okay. But this is the first time that we can say for sure that anyone ever prayed over Ruth. Mm-hmm. Now, there are men who pray on women. Mm. There's not enough men who pray over women. Yeah. And that's the... That's why I love Boaz so much. Yeah. He's this, he, he's like a, he's like a little bit of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he, he treats Ruth the way that Jesus treats the Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah. Samaritan woman at the well, actually now that I think about it, she was a Moabite. Yeah. She came from the same crazy family and Jesus shows up and treats her like Boaz treated Ruth. Dignity, love, respect, forgiveness purity, and her whole life changes. What's the prayer in chapter four? Uh, We see a baby being prayed for um, so that Boaz and Ruth can have a baby and be blessed by that life. And then we also see Naomi's friends pray and thank the Lord because there's prayers of thanksgiving as well um, for restoring her life because they saw Naomi and knew Naomi probably before she left for Moab, before her husband and her two sons died. And then they see her coming back and God restoring her life. They saw her come back bitter initially, and now they see her with her hands full again. And the Lord did all of that for her. And so they're thanking him. And honey, I love that word picture you bring up because when she shows up, she says, my hands are empty. Mm -hmm. But at the end, she's holding a grandson. Yeah. That's amazing. I love babies. <laughs> you do love babies. We didn't accidentally have five. And I prophesy a few dozen grandkids in our future. So every chapter of Ruth has prayer. What holds the marriage together? Prayer. What causes life to change? Prayer. How do we hear from God? How do we hear from God? Prayer. In addition, everyone in the story gets prayed for. Ruth gets prayed for. Boaz gets prayed for, Naomi gets prayed for, the baby Obed gets prayed for. Yeah. Every chapter has prayer. Every person gets prayer. Question, did every prayer get answered? Yeah, in this book, yes. In the book of Ruth. We're not guaranteeing that all your prayers will be answered. Um, the Exo Marriage Podcast has certain limitations. <laughs> <laughs> but it's incredible. At the beginning of the book, there's a famine. In the end... She's rich. Hmm. At the beginning of the book, she's a widow. At the end, she's a wife. And a mother. At the beginning of the book, 10 years, no child, end of the book, holding a baby. Beginning of the book, mother-in-law is bitter. End of the book, mother-in-law is blessed. The question is, how does everything go from death to life? How does everything go from Good Friday, buried, Easter Sunday, resurrected? Part of it is the providence of God over their life. Part of it is them praying to the God who's over their life, listening to him, what are we supposed to do, and then giving to him the longings of the heart. Mm. So for those couples that are um, listening, very, very, very practical things, how can a husband and wife be praying for one another, be praying with one another? Well, first of all, you have to determine to create a new habit if you don't have this habit already and make a space for it. Actually 
work toward praying without ceasing by making a space, whether it's in your calendar or wherever you need to have that reminder to get you going. Um, Because if you don't plan for it, you won't do it. Um, And initially um, it may feel a little rote to do it that way. But I think if you get into a new habit by saying, we're going to, you know, whether it's wake up every morning before our feet hit the floor, I'm going to pray over you. You're going to pray for my day, whatever is most helpful in your marriage. I mean, every marriage is different and prayer can be done in different ways. But if it's waking up in the morning, if it's, you know, you get a lunch break, you're at home right now because of all that's going on. Maybe you pray together at lunchtime intentionally together. Um, Maybe you're praying after dinner, after you regroup or before bed. Maybe you're doing all four of those, but just start somewhere and get in a new habit and make sure that you're asking each other what you can be praying for. Because then that allows you to start into conversations about actually caring about each other's lives and and day and having empathy. And maybe you have no clue what your spouse went through that day. And that's the way of opening that door and saying, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you had all that go on. Why don't we just stop and pray right now? Um, Those are all ways that you can show I care enough to stop whatever I'm doing and to invest in you and let the Lord speak into our life and marriage together. Well, and in prayer, you're inviting God into it. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're making sure that that person doesn't feel alone. Yeah. I've explained this to you many times. For me, uh, the ministry of presence. Yeah. I just like having you around. (laughs) And when you are physically present and then you're emotionally present, it doesn't fix the problems, uh, but it cures the loneliness. Yeah. You know? And um, I think the shortest distance between two people is prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And admittedly, I did not start good at this, and I'm still not saying I'm amazing or great. I'm not ready to join the husband prayer Olympic team. <laughs> I have not earned my jersey. Well, um, you pray for me before you leave for the day. You pray over me at night before we go to sleep. And then as stuff comes up or if we chat during the day, whatever, you, we generally try and offer a prayer or you know, at least say, hey, let's spend some time in prayer about that. And for the husbands and fathers, one thing, just simple little tip, just asking wife and kids, who or what can I be praying for you about? Not, is there anything you need me to pray for? It's assuming there is. Who or what can I be praying for you about? And then I try to make eye contact with you or with the kids, not on my phone. Actually, they know, okay, he's listening, he's present. And then when they give that request, stopping to actually pray And then checking in later that day or later that week, okay, I'm following up on that. Where is that? How can I help with that? How can I pray for that? And it's amazing that sometimes our spouse and our kids are carrying things that we did not even know. Yeah, I'll give you one example that just comes to mind in closing. It was some years ago, I was driving in the car, picking up one of the boys after school. We got three boys, two girls. And... uh, just looked over at my son. I always called my son's buddy, my little buddy. I just, you're, you're my little buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, hey, little buddy, anything or anyone that I can be praying for today? And uh, he looked at me. He's like, it got kind of quiet, a little awkward. I could tell there was something on his heart. And he said, yeah, yeah, there is, Dad. I said, what's that? He said, uh, my friend today, Christian family, told me that his mom and dad are getting a divorce. Mm. And he said, uh, He said, my friend told me, and he said, so dad, could you be praying for him and for his mom and dad? I said, absolutely, little buddy. 
I said, I'll pray for him right now. And then I looked at him and I felt inclined. I said, buddy, I'm praying for the mom and the dad. I said, if the dad would be wanting to talk to somebody, I would totally meet with his dad. Um, I'm a pastor. I'm here to help people. And I said, uh, thank you for sharing that request. I said, as you heard that the mommy and daddy were getting divorced, I said, uh, do you worry that your mommy and daddy might get divorced someday? It just opened up this magnificent conversation. And he said, uh, no, I don't, dad. And I said, well, let me just explain to you why your mommy and daddy will never be divorced. I said, we love Jesus. Jesus loves us. Jesus forgives us. We're always going to forgive each other. I said, you don't have to worry about ever having your mommy and daddy divorced. Mm -hmm. And I said, there are people that love Jesus and get divorced. And I was not trying to be judgmental, but I wanted to lift any potential burden off our son that there was danger in his future between his father and mother. And we had this amazing conversation in the car. And then he started asking questions. He was little. He was like six or eight. He's like, well, dad, do you think I'll get married someday? Yeah, son. So how do you pick somebody to marry that you don't Mm -hmm. get divorced from? It ended up in this like 20, 30 minute deep into the pool conversation with my son about marriage and picking a wife and sexual purity and praying for your wife. And I told him at the time, I said, little buddy, that's why mom and I, we're praying for you. We're mm-hmm. praying for your wife. We're praying that you don't, you know, marry someone that isn't the Lord's will for you. And we had this, mag- and so literally then um, I prayed for his spouse. Mm-hmm. I laid a hand on him. I, um, I think we were to light or something. And I leaned over and I put a hand on his head and I prayed for him that he'd be a good husband. And I prayed that God would bring a good woman and that his children would never have to ask for a prayer request that their parents were getting divorced. Mm. And so if you will love, if you will listen, if you will invite prayer requests, and if you will stop and pray, and you're inviting the Holy Spirit into the midst of the relationships. And it's amazing when you're just asking for prayer requests, sometimes how it opens the heart of the spouse or the child, and it leads to these incredible conversations that are life-changing and build a relationship. And if either the husband or the wife really struggles to pray with each other, there's a deeper issue, and you can pray individually that that person would have their heart softened and be able to trust you with that place to be able to pray together. But don't force it on them but be willing to have that discussion and and face your own issues if you have any that maybe you're not safe for them to pray with or whatever. There's a lot of couples that we've heard of through the years that one or the other spouse didn't feel comfortable praying with the person. And so that is a reality. And if you're in that place, don't force it, but pray for that person um, on your own and ask that the Lord would help reveal what that deeper issue is so that you can be unified in prayer and in your marriage. So I feel inclined to share this and I'll ask you to pray, honey. When you pray, you're inviting the Holy Spirit into the marriage. If you refuse to pray, you're inviting demonic spirits into the marriage. Yeah. The question is not, are you going to invite spiritual forces into the marriage? The question is, which spiritual forces are you going to invite? Mm. So maybe you could just close in prayer for them, babe. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you teach us how to pray in your word and you show us that you listen to prayer and you're always here to listen to us um, and, and intercede for us, Holy Spirit. I just pray for these couples that are listening today that you would um, just touch their marriages, that if there's places that are hidden, if there's places that they can't come together in prayer, 
Lord, that they would be able to figure out the root of that, that they would be able to discover um, the freedoms in coming to you in prayer and the safety in coming to you in prayer. Lord, if there's couples that need to establish new habits of prayer, that they would be um, anxious to get going with that and that they would see the blessing that comes out of praying together, um, the intimacy in their relationship um, emotionally, spiritually, physically that comes through having a consistent prayer life for each other. Um, Lord, I pray that if there's couples that are incredible in praying together, that they would help others understand that that is essential in their marriage and that they would come alongside some of these struggling couples to help them understand how to pray and how to love each other through prayer. Lord, thank you that you've given us the gift of prayer. Thank you that you don't just leave us on our own and and having to guess what you want for us in our lives and our marriage, that you come alongside and you say, I want to help direct. I want to um, oversee the decisions and the unity in your relationship. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. I pray that we would just be those praying without ceasing people so that we can have marriages that glorify you and are blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.